Well, guys, grab hold of a Bible and make your way this evening to the book of Acts. We are in Acts chapter 2 on Wednesday nights. We've been journeying through the book of Acts, and uh, usually we try to take about a chapter or so at a time. Chapter 2 is such a big chapter with so many things. We've taken a few weeks to go through it. We're going to finish that up tonight, and so we're inviting you to be there with us. Hopefully you brought a Bible. You're heading over there to Acts chapter 2. If you didn't, Hey, we've provided them right in front of you and the chairs in front of you. You've got Bibles there. You can grab one of those, page number on the screen. Uh, you can use an electronic device, uh, opening up a Bible app if that's where you want to follow. But we are inviting you to follow. We are inviting you to see and hear what God would say to you through his word. We believe. We believe in the power of the word of God. We believe that it is more powerful than we could possibly imagine, that it is doing things in our lives that we desperately need, and we want you to hear that this evening. We want you to hear God speak to you in where you are. So let's ask him for that. Let's take a moment and go before him in prayer. Let's ask that he would give us just the ability to understand, but also to hear what he has for us individually, that that would just be taking place in our lives here this evening. So I'm going to lead in prayer, but I hope you would pray as well. God, in that space that we just were talking about, in coming before you and humbling our lives before you, trusting all of our cares to you, but just presenting ourselves to you and saying, Lord, here we are. You know us. You know exactly where we are. You know what we need. You know where we are and the things that you're seeking to show us. God, would you, just in mercy in grace, and in your presence here this evening. Would you open up our understanding to hear what you're showing us, to seeing what's in the, the passage before us? But in your tenderness, Lord, would you take the truth, the nugget that is uniquely ours, that's different all around the room, God, would you do that? Would you help us to hear it? Holy Spirit, would you do that? I cannot. Couldn't even come close. But we trust you tonight. We trust you as a God who sees us, knows us, cares, works. And so just asking for your help in that right now, that you would help us to hear your voice, knowing that which you have for us. We ask for favor. We ask for blessing. Submitting right now, uh, just this time, our hearts to you and asking for your enabling help to help us get those things which you have for us. We pray for that together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Acts chapter 2 is one of those foundational chapters inside the Bible. I mean, in this, we are at that space where the church begins, where that which you and I know as God working in the midst of his people in the midst of, of, of a, just a worldwide movement of bringing Gentiles to him, we are at that space, at what we've kind of called ground zero uh, for that, and it's so good to go here. Think about it this way. I mean, I recognize for many of you guys, you would even kind of catch the phrase. Sometimes it'll be talked about in Bible study, sometimes in business, sometimes in uh, sports, this idea of just needing to get back to the basics. This idea of going, hey, where, where, where are the basics? Where are the, the fundamentals that everything else is kind of built on? But what are the things that can't change? What are the things that are meant to be the very basics of what we are and what we do? In so many ways, that's what's found here in Acts chapter 2. We get to see it begin. We get to see kind of the original kind of just breath that God breathes into this, this movement, this thing that we call the church, and we get to see what it looks like, and there ought to be a sense that we'd say, okay, yeah, that's what we want. I mean, it just, that's what we're looking for. We're looking to be a people that is an extension of what God has, has moved in the midst of that and is seeking to bring us there. And there is a space of gazing at that that would, in many ways, either just refresh that in your life where it's there or correct that where you've neglected it. Sometimes it is that. Getting back to the basics can be, hey, yeah, I just needed to get back to the things I was already doing them, but I just needed to do them a little bit more intentionally. Other times you could look at it and go, wow, I don't know how we dropped that. I mean, that's, that's, that's like essential. I mean, we need to get back to this. And so there is a space here this evening that as we gaze at that, that's where we're wanting to go. If you've been with us so far in Acts 2, we have outlined uh, this chapter with four spaces. 
that we're a part of this beginning of the church. It began with just the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. Pentecost and this incredible movement that is highlighted in the first four verses that really begins uh, the work of the church. We saw the impact that that immediately had uh, into the the world and into the people. We saw just the beginning movement of that in the second section in verses 5 to 13. And then in response to that, we saw Peter preach an amazing sermon that we kind of walked through last week, seeing just both its space and its place and this call towards Christ, towards just laying before them all that was there. So that's what we've covered so far. If any of that's like, well, I want to know more about that beautiful time of technology, you can go back and get it. It's online. Go back and kind of follow along. You'll see it. But we want to get to the end of the chapter that is the first of seven, first of seven progress reports inside the book of Acts, first of seven places where the Holy Spirit just kind of stops and says, hey, let's just take a, a survey. Like, this is what's happening. This is where the church is. This is what's taking place. And each of them are significant. But if I can kind of again say, this is the first one. This is that foundational space. This is that basics. This is that space that we need to get there. And so we want to walk through this and just look at the things that are found here. I just want to highlight it in seven sections. Not that that's a a perfect thing and maybe it could be said so much better, but each one of these are significant. But there's a space that I want you just to see what was taking place as kind of this just, just expression of what God is doing in the midst of it. And again, a longing that he would do it in us. So we get it first at the end of the sermon. Where, where Peter preaches it um, and, and preaches this, the, the message, and he just ends it in verse 36. He says, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they had heard this, they were cut to the heart. I mean, they're just fully convicted. And, and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. So that's kind of where we ended it last week, this, this kind of expression of the, of the message is calling people to believe. And then you get it in verses 40 and 41. And he said, With many other words. He testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who are gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Maybe one of the first nuggets we just want to notice in this kind of progress report is that we finish the message, and then it just says, with many other words. I mean, they, it wasn't just like a single message. They, like, they just said it, it with a lot of different words in a lot of different ways, as many ways as it could be saved. With many other words, it says, he testified and he exhorted them, be saved. Be saved from this perverse generation. One of the things we just pause just to gaze at is just one of the simple realities that probably, at least it should not be surprising to us this evening. Hey, we are a gospel-testifying space. What God is doing in the church, what we, what we are, is meant to be this place where the gospel uh, of Jesus Christ is proclaimed. Jesus said, hey, you're the light of the world. You're the only ones. You're the only ones that have that message. We are those who are constantly telling people, you need to be saved. <laughs> like, this is a really messed up world. I mean, I like the way he says it. It was like, be saved from this perverse generation. And I don't know if anybody else, it's like I read it, it's like, Peter, you had no idea. Like, you thought it was perverse. I mean, you didn't see. You you didn't see where we are. I mean, it, it, it is perverse in our generation, but it is. It's a broken world. Sin has destroyed our world, and it's destroying everything around us. There's not anything that's not touched by that. There's not anybody who's not affected by that. And the church in the world is the message of the gospel. I mean, we get to tell people about Jesus. We get to point them to them, and that should never be misunderstood. That should never be lost, that we are a people that get to tell and need to tell that we are a gospel-proclaiming people that we are always saying in as many ways as we can, you need to be saved. 
you need to be saved from this perverse generation. You, you need to be saved from this perverse generation. You know, I think about that in a number of ways, but I would be remiss if I didn't just say it right now to you. You know, if you're here this evening, you don't, you don't know Jesus, you need to be saved. Uh, you need to be saved. This world is quickly going down. It's a destructive, hell-bent world that's destroying your soul. And, and there's a sense of, that if you don't know Jesus, then we're just pleading with you today. You need to be saved. You need to be born again. You need to turn your life to Jesus. You need that. And, and with as many words as we can, we want to say that. So if that's you this evening, again, we're just proclaiming it right now and just telling you that's our message. Now, again, I say all that, and I'm telling you, hey, the church is this gospel light. We are meant to be a light of the gospel. And again, the danger is that you might hear that and say, well, yeah, of course, that's what everybody's doing. I mean, that's what the church is doing, and that's what we're supposed to be doing, but if you are unaware of it, it continues to happen that, you know, through the centuries in our world today, that people begin to lose light of that, that they begin to think that the church is here for social reformation or for, for something else that we're here to, you know, do something else, that the church isn't about, you know, we are primarily here to be a gospel, to, to be a place where we are here on this planet it, it is a means to say, hey, that's it. So in the most simple way, if I can say this nicely, if the gospel's not being proclaimed, it's not a church. If the gospel's not being proclaimed, something's broken. I mean, if it becomes a space where it's just about social justice or about improving the world in which you live or just surviving, I mean, if it's not like, hey, we're here and we get to tell you, hey, there's no other way for you to be saved. There's, there's no other way for you to get to heaven. Um, please understand that we are not here just to make your life better. Uh, we are here because we want you to be saved. That is who we are. That is what we're supposed to be about. And, and again, maybe that makes perfect sense to you, but I just want to tell you it's a sad reality. So I think about it this way. Again, I, I need to get off this and keep going. Um, one of the things that we, you know, we support, you know, what is it now? I don't remember just how many mission groups we're supporting. It's 25 is more than that. Now I can't, it's 29. 29 mission groups that we're supporting right now as a church. And, and whether you know it or not, that is one of our key issues. Um, so when we pick the, the, the groups that we're supporting, when we are, are deciding, uh, you know, whether we're going to get behind a mission group or a missionary, one of the questions I'm always asking is, are they proclaiming the gospel? You know, or have they just, you know, be, kind of become a social help, you know, and they're just doing, it, they, they, we, we, we kind of would step back from that. Because we're always saying, like, you know, it's, there's, if, if it's not you know, just pointing out Christ, if it's not representing him, boy, that's not what we're a part of. That is not what we're a part of, and I just want to invite you to make sure that that's kind of your understanding. Like, hey, that's what we do. That's what we, as the church in the world, we are, we are about the gospel. Well, wonderfully enough, you read it, but it says, then those who gladly received it, verse 41, were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Just one of those spaces, you just, I don't know about you, I just wish I could imagine it. I, mean, I just could, wish I could be there. I mean, this is an incredible transition. I mean, there's this space where, you know, it's been the 12 disciples that followed Jesus. We know at the early part of Acts, there's 120 uh, hanging out in the upper room, but we just exploded. I mean, it just goes from 120 people to 3,000. And there's a lot of cool things in that. There's probably even a, a, a kind of a, a biblical picture, for some of you know your Bible, when Moses brought the law down, 3,000 people died. Uh, and it, it almost is this message like the law destroys, but Christ, he gives life. And from the very get-go, this is what we are. This is what we are. We're seeing people saved, and God has been doing it, and I love that. So we are a gospel-testifying space. When we think about what the church is, we are always to be about that. Well, then we get to verse 42, which is probably one of the most well-known verses in this section, and rightfully so. Like, if there's a verse you're going to memorize in this, this section, this is the one to memorize, as it lets us know what they do. It says in verse 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayers. Four things that it tells us that this is what they did steadfastly. That the idea is that they did this unrelentingly. Like this is what made that they did this consistently. They did this continually. 
This was something that they held as a priority, and it was that which held them and, and was a steadfast just reality in the midst of it. I've kind of called it an abiding connection because I, I, I love that in many ways there's this continuing steadfastness in each of the four things that are laid out here. These are the things that connect us. These are kind of the roots that we put down uh, into the reality of, of just the life that God has for us. And these four things uh, in the midst of all of this are things that are meant to be um, just constant realities in your life. So this is incredibly applicable. I mean, just looking at it, and I just want to say 100%, there's not anybody in this room that this is not, these things are not what God is looking for in your life. This isn't just a few. This isn't just a select group of people. These are the things that he is longing that you and I are about consistently. Like, you know, we can do other things, but we always do these things. What things? Well, he says, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, or we would say it simply here tonight, they stayed to the Word of God. They stayed in the Word of God. Without getting too technical, the idea of the apostles' doctrine has this idea of New Testament truth that was built on an Old Testament foundation. It wasn't just like they were preaching the New Testament. They were used in the Old Testament. But by using this phrase, it lets us understand that everything was, was focused on Christ. That everything, that this New Testament unpacking unpacks the whole of Scripture for us, and it becomes a powerful reality for us. So I, I love that reality, but again, coming back to its simplicity is just letting us know that one of the things that is meant to be in our lives all the time is this book. I mean, we're reading it tonight. Our encouragement to you is in it. I love just the, the way it gives it to us, for example, in the book of Joshua, where God just said, hey, the, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Hey, there's this lens he gives us there. It was true then, it's true now, where he says, hey, this book, day and night, like day, you, you need this every day. Like this book, this is, this is what it is. If, you, if you'll observe to do in it, if you'll meditate in it, he says, that's, the, that's the, the, the way into all that God has for our lives. That's where we find our way prosperous, make your way prosperous and find good success, not offering us you know, material wealth or any of those things, but the life that God has for us, the, the life that God wants for you. And there's no way to it except here. And one of the realities is, is that place that it needs to be that in your life. I don't know where it is. Maybe it is. Maybe I'm speaking to you tonight and there's not anybody here in the room that isn't struggling. But that's probably not true. Some of you are. And I just want to tell you, there's no way that your life will be healthy. There's no way to be healthy as a, as a follower of Jesus except to be consistently in the Word of God. I love Job, who was his, the most righteous man in his generation, where it just tells us about him. Job says, I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. I like just the, the space that Job does this. He says, you know, when I think about this book, it's more important than eating. You know, this, this to me is more important than my daily food. I mean, it's one of those spaces that if I had to give up something, in my day, it would not be my time in the Word of God. It wouldn't be that space of like, well, I just had no time to read the Bible today. Really? <laughs> what did you have time for? I mean, Job would say, you know what, if I, if I, if I didn't have time to read the Bible, uh, if I had a choice between eating a meal or, or reading the Bible, it's going to be the Bible. Uh, that's more important. Uh, it is more necessary. It's more needed. And I, again, it's not saying we don't eat or any of those things, obviously, but there's a place of priority of saying, hey, this is where it's meant to be in our lives. And I'm just letting you know, that's always meant to be that way. And it's good that we're gazing into this space and says, hey, that's what they were about. They did this consistently, steadfastly. They, they stayed in the Bible. And there's no other way to be healthy except to do that. Secondly, it says there in verse 42, it says they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. And fellowship. Hey, this is one of those really cool words. Some of you know it, koinonia in the Greek language. Uh, it literally means to share with. It literally means to have a partnership with. For us, it's this partnership, this understanding in God's people, this connection uh, to who we are. And it has a number of layers to it, but again, just for our simplicity here this evening, hey, in some of that, that's just to be present. That's to be a part of God's people. 
There, there's no space that anybody could be healthy outside of being a part of what God is doing. But it's meant to be more than just physical presence, but really spiritually connecting, that we've been made in Christ, that we've talked about it the last few weeks, even here in Acts 2, that part of the model of, of the church is that God isn't working through a select few. It's meant to be all of us. Like all of us have the work of spirit, the Spirit in us, so all of us are meant to connect into that. All of us, there's no way to be right or to be healthy spiritually outside of that connection with God's people. Think about it just for a a second with just a couple of familiar verses. We think about the one there in Hebrews 10 where it says, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. It's a great verse, right? And some of you kind of think it through, and I love the way he just simply says it. We're not to neglect it. We are not to neglect forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, that we are meant to be together. Uh, We are meant to, the the body of Christ is designed that way, um, but we're also meant to be assembled, and that's a whole nother thing. It's more than just physically present. We're connecting in the midst of that. That's how we're made. In fact, he says this in such a way, and I just want to point out even before, he says, here's the thing. We're doing this and we're thinking about each other because we want to just be encouragements to each other. So it's not that we come on a Wednesday night or a Sunday and think, okay, check. <laughs> I, I did my, my Sunday obligation. I did my Wednesday obligation. We ought to be coming in here thinking, Lord, I want to be a blessing. I want, I want to encourage somebody. I want, I want, show me somebody I can, I, can, I can help. Show me somebody I can pray for, I can bless, because that's what it is. It's not just presence, it's connection. I love the reality of that, but again, just reminding you how essential it is. You guys were, some of us, with us when we just went through the book of 1 John, and God just tells us, for someone says, I love God, you just hate my brother. John says, you're a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? Now, I love John. He just cuts straight through any of the, the, the fog in the midst of this. He says, so if this is you, if you're the kind of person who says, I love God, I just hate God's people. You know, I love God, I just hate church. I don't, I don't like it. John says, you're lying. You're, you're lying to, to yourself and you're lying to us. It's impossible. There is no way to be right with God and, and have no desire, no, no space of wanting to connect with God's people. That's essential to our, to our very makeup. We're made for that. Now, again, I, I think about that, and a part of me is like, well, Jim, you're talking to people here on Wednesday night. I mean, they came on a Wednesday night. They already know this. But I just need to speak it to you. And, and yet I, I say this because some of you know people. We all probably know somebody. People who you know right now, and you talk to them about Jesus, and like, oh, I, 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 I believe in Jesus. I love God. And then you're like, oh, so really, what, what church do you go to? Oh, I don't, I don't go to church. I, 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 I gave that up 20 years ago. You know, I, I, me, man, I, just, I just go out, take a drive in the mountains, and me and God, we're just close. That's, that's all I really need. I decided a long time ago I didn't need God's people. And I want to tell you, there's probably a lot of things behind that, but here's what you just need to know. That's impossible. Nobody's right with God without finding that the church is a body of Christ, that we are connected to each other even when we don't always get along, even when we don't always understand each other. There's, there's something that connects us that's not just an organizational thing. We are connected in Christ so that as we draw near to God, it connects us to each other, and we find ourselves actually needing that, needing other people, needing people to pray for us and us to pray for other people, and that meets us where we are extrovert, introvert, that doesn't change, but there is a sense of just recognizing, hey, we need people, like we're, we're a part of this, and there's no way ever to be right with God outside of that. So again, I, I, I know I'm talking to a Wednesday night group of people, and you're like, Jim, I'm here, like I, I, I'm, I'm here. Well, good. Keep being here. I mean, just in that sense of being a part of God's people. I mean, it just it's not saying, hey, this church, but church, and so if you ever, if it's not this church, it's a church, Like, you need that. There will never be a space in your life that it will be well for you to stop. And yet, you know, I mean, I I know I'm talking to some of you that were like, oh, Jim, that happened. I didn't mean for it to happen. You know, I I stopped going to church one Sunday, and, you know, and then I kept thinking, I'm going to get back to that, and then it was five years. And it's like, how did that happen? I mean, how did I, and yet you could look on those five years as wasted years, as broken spaces in your life. And maybe if that's you here this evening, you would say, Jim, it's so true. 
in Christ, that's not, that's not an optional part of who we are. We are made for the connection of the body of Christ, that we are made uh, for this fellowship in Christ, that that's essential to what it is to be a part of the church, and it is. So, they continued steadfastly in the Bible. They continued steadfastly in fellowship. There in verse 42, again, it says it this way, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread. That's a term that's used for speaking of communion uh, in, in the body of Christ, speaking of this place of, of what that would look like and, and remembering Christ and, and walking through that. You know, we think about this, and the key behind that is a Christ focus, that in one sense it's through communion that we are declaring, hey, everything we are is connected to the cross. I mean, what we are in its essence, what we are in its, in its being is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Everything flows from that. Everything we are is connected to that. And that becomes a constant need in our life. Now, again, as He's giving us through these, He's not telling us exactly how that should happen. And communion is one of those interesting things without spending a bunch of time on it, in the last 2,000 years, it's been done in a lot of different ways. Uh, there were spaces where, uh, for, for huge chunks of time, centuries, where there were churches that basically did communion once a year. It was, it was basically around Easter, and, that's, and communion was just a once-a-year kind of celebration. Then for centuries, it was really a once-a-quarter a thing, that you kind of had that space where it was that space of communion. Then there are other churches, and many today, that take communion every single time they gather. Not a bad thing. Uh, not something I've you know, even against. I think there's something powerful of that. But for us, we've kind of stepped into it, kind of in the midst of that, and said, hey, we give you opportunities like twice a month. I mean, you know, so twice a month to do it. And part of that is so it doesn't just become rote. It doesn't just become like, oh, yeah, we took communion. But there is constantly a need to understand it. There's constantly a need because communion is an outward expression of an internal reality, and that reality is our connection, our communion with Christ, that everything we are is flowing from Him. Like, that's essential. We are a Christ-focused, Christ-dependent, Christ-exalting, cross-exalting people. That is what we are. And, and, and so it's not just going through the motions. It's the reality behind that, and that's essential. That is absolutely essential. So again, I just kind of just talking to you about it and say, hey, that should be a constant space in our life. And by the way, communion is not one of those things, at least biblically, that has to always happen in church. I mean, for Jesus and the disciples, it was an upper room. It was a dinner. It was a space in that. And there's been huge spaces in Christian life where it's been that way as well, more than just in church. And that's always an option for you. But the reality, again, is, is that should constantly be strengthening that in your life. So for some of you, it does. Some of you, 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 you love every time we take communion, and if you had your way, we would take communion every time we got together. Who knows? Maybe we will someday. I don't know. You know, but here's the thing. Some of you, and maybe more than we'd like to admit, it doesn't do anything for you. You're like, oh yeah, we're going to take communion? Okay, you know, so I took communion. You know, give me the bread, give me the juice. Okay, let's go on to something else. Let's do something fun. Let's like sing a song or, you know, let's do something different because I don't, I mean, somehow it just, it doesn't just, just breathe life. And if that's where you are, I just want to pause and say, hey, you need to make sure you don't lose sight of this because everything we are flows from this. We have nothing outside of Jesus's death and resurrection. So it is a constant essential that we are always finding ourselves saying, hey, that's who we are. We are a people who, whose life flows in and out of Christ. It is absolutely essential. All right. Well, one more in the small list in verse 42 says, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and prayers that they were a people who were praying. I mean, that's where the, the Holy Spirit pours out in a prayer meeting. They were meant to pray, and that's meant to be a part of our lives. Prayer is, is, is one of those absolute essentials of our spiritual life, that we're talking to God, crying out to God, and lots of ways that works its way into our life, but let's just again just say it, hey, these are essential. So when we're thinking about a healthy church and healthy Christians, well, again, we're just going to look at this and say, yeah, we are people that testify to the gospel. We never lose sight of that. Then there are things that these are, these are what we're always doing. This is what we always do. And it's meant to be that way. There's no health. There's no way to be healthy without that. Now, again, my hope is that I'm talking to you tonight and you're like, 
I got all four of those. Like, like I'm in the Word of God consistently. You know, I'm here, and I'm trying to connect with God's people, and I, I, I am Christ-focused in the way that I live my life, and I do pray, then good. Then if this is strengthening you, if I'm just coming alongside to say, hey, keep doing those things. There's other things that you, but you never will get away from this. You'll never get away from the basics. You'll never get away from doing this. But again, I know I'm probably talking to somebody here this evening that you're like, so how many can you miss? <laughs> like, like, what if I have like three out of four? Is, it, is that okay? You know, what if I'm two out of four? Is that, you know, is that like, you know, you kind of get a passing grade? I just want to tell you, you can't be healthy. You're not healthy. And maybe you just know that. Maybe you're here that's like, well, you know, I don't, I, I just feel empty. I feel like I'm missing things. Then, then the, you ought to look at these four and say, okay, am I reading the Bible? You know, am I, you know, being a part of God's people? Am I focused on Christ? Am I, you know, praying? Because these are things that will always be there. They are never optional realities, and you will never be well. You'll never be abiding. I love the picture of abiding, and I've used that word there intentionally, where Jesus said, if you abide in me, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you'll bear good fruit. And I, I love that commission, that call, but this is a picture of how you do that. This is how you abide. You're in the Word. You're praying. You're focused on Christ. You're with God's people. These things connect us to the, the life that God has for us, and you'll never escape the need of that. And again, it's always meant to be there. So I love that. Definitely one of my favorite verses in the midst of it and, and spaces that just encourage me in all that God has for us. So watching that, watching this foundation that they're, they're proclaiming the gospel, they have these continuing steadfastness, then the next things that are found here, that we're just going to cover five of them rather rapidly, um, in many ways they become the overflow. They become the fruit of these things. So don't miss how essential this is, that these are the things that we're doing, and now these things begin to happen. But let's just note them quickly. So it tells us in verse 43, then fear came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were done through the, through the apostles. So there becomes this expression of the power of God. There becomes this expression that, he says, when, when, when these things were happening, when the gospel is being proclaimed and, and the church is healthy, it's as if there, there was a sense of God's presence. The idea there that fear came upon every soul. Just a sense of God's presence. He began to move miraculously. He did, you know, wonders and signs were done, and God does that in His sovereign ways in space, but there's something about that. I, I don't know about you. I, I long for that. I long for it here. I, I, I wonder. I mean, we, we have sometimes people will tell us that that's kind of one of those things that they'll, they'll almost sense, that they kind of, you know, get to the, the door even of our building. It's like, okay, man, you, you almost just sense you're stepping into, yeah, God, like there's something happening here. There's, there's a movement of God. I, I want that. Again, God can define what he wants to do in the midst of it. I know he's a miracle-working God. I love that, and he can do all of that. I ask him for all of that. But the thing that I long for most is a sense in God's presence, as we gather, that there's something so much more than, than just a organization, so much more than just something that would be, you know, you know hey, we're a bunch of people hanging out together. It's a, no, you get together, and there's a sense of God's presence there's a sense of, of the fear of God, of, of just his, his glory, and that is always what we're looking for, and that's what that was there. They had this power of God, the fear that kind of developed in the, in the midst of that, and it was an incredible space, and one of the things that we long for and long for more in that. Then it tells us in verse 44, now all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. We'll kind of define this as a godly community. And it's this amazing moment that, that now these people began to care for each other. I mean, that wherever there was a need, people began selling things and, and providing for it. And we ought to just pause and say, hey, this isn't communism. I mean, there are sometimes people will say, hey, you know, the New Testament is really preaching communism. That's what it was like in those days. This has nothing to do with communism. It, it isn't anything like it. It isn't forced. It's voluntary. Um, it doesn't do away with personal possessions because it's their stuff that they're selling. This isn't anything that becomes that. Instead, it's just this beautiful picture of God's people caring for each other. I mean, there's a lot of reasons it just happened. 3,000 people just got saved. And probably for many of them, maybe traveling there, they stay here for a little while. I mean, they have no foundation. They have nowhere to stay, so they probably stay. 
Others were probably Jews, but the very moment they believed, we know what happened. I mean, you might remember, some of you read through the, read through the Gospels, uh, the, the Pharisees and Sadducees had already decided, hey, if anybody confesses Jesus, they're out. You know, anybody confesses Jesus, we are kicking him out of the community. Uh, and, uh, you know, so you have like the, the blind man that's healed at the pool of Siloam and, and he's there and, you know, gets healed and they invite his parents to come and they're like, so is this your son? It's like, ah, uh, he's our son. We have no idea how he got healed because we don't want to get kicked out. Uh, and it just, it was a serious deal. So into that space, the church just stepped into and they cared for each other. I mean, in a very natural way. It wasn't something that is forced. It wasn't something, you know, someone would look on this and say, hey, this was a singular moment meeting that need, and it probably changed. I mean, it wasn't like, hey, this is what they, you know, that they always did this, where it just says, hey, they, you know, they had all things in common. They sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as any had need. It wasn't like that became the, uh, you know, communism or, or one of those things. It just, had, they met the need there. And so we're not trying to develop a, a system of doing that. Instead, I just want you to feel the heart of it because it flows out of what we just said in Acts 2.42 that we are koinonia. We are fellowshipping together. And when the body of Christ does that, then we take care of each other. Now, I just want to pause and tell you, I don't know how you see that in, in this body. I want to tell you from my perspective. Um, I, I hope we do it better. I, I hope we grow in it, but I love watching it in our fellowship. I love watching the way you guys love each other. I love watching the way that we care about each other. I love watching, hey, when there's a need, you know, sometimes we, we find out that there's a need, something happened, and we'll be like, oh, we got to do it. And there's like, oh, there's already like four people over there. You know, like, like there's just, I mean, th- th- we just, there, there's this natural life that's happening inside of us that isn't forced, but it's beautiful. And that's how it ought to be. I mean, that's how it ought to be. If we're doing Acts 2.42, then there will be a godly community where we care, where we care about each other and, and where there's specific needs, where that, that will be met in some amazing ways, where it's just kind of caring for each other. And it's one of the things that defines us. It's one of the things that's defined who we are, that that's how we are known. You know, you think about that place where Jesus talks about it in the Gospel of John, where he says, you know, that, you know, as I've done to you, go and do it to others. You know, he says, here's how the whole world will know that you're my disciples, by the love that you have for one another. That there's something about what that looks like, that it defines the way that we are. I love one of those early church historical accounts when Rome was really confused because the church is brand new, has no idea what it really is, and there's confusion over communion. Some of them think that, you know, we're kind of eating each other and and thinking, hey, there's there's really just weird spaces in the midst of it. There's weird things about all of it, and so Rome sends in spies. Uh, into the church to try to figure them out. And one of the early writings we, we have is, is, you know, one of the spies come back and he basically says it, you know, in my vocabulary says, you know, boy, they talked about this guy Jesus that, you know, they said had died and now he's alive. And there's so much I didn't understand what they were saying. But then he just simply said, my, how they love each other. He says that it was one of the things that defined who they were. I mean, I just, I can't give me that. I, I don't understand everything that they are, but I understand this. Boy, these people care about each other. I mean, they just, they love each other. That's who we are. That's what we're supposed to be, this godly community that flows out of this. And it's a beautiful space to see how it was happening then. It's a beautiful space to say, hey, that's what we are supposed to be. Well, adding to that tells us in verse 46, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. I'll just say it this way. They had a daily simplicity. I, I love much that's found in this verse. I just like reading it. It just kind of was, it's like, this is what they did daily. This is what they did every day. Uh, with one accord, they did it whether they were gathering in the temple, where they were all together in a worship place, or they did it when they were gathering in homes or other spaces. There's just this, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. And there's a beautiful place of just understanding that where the church is the church, no matter where we are, we're the church. Where the church is the church, we're the church whether we gather here on a Sunday or you're working at your workplace on a Monday, uh, whether you are gathering in your home or with other people, there's this simplicity, this beauty of who we are, that, there, that there's meant to be a place that's godliness that isn't just performance, 
It isn't just gathering. It isn't like, oh, this is what they did at church. And then they went, no, there's something here that they just continued this daily. They have this unity, this one accord, whether it's in the temple or breaking bread from house to house. They're just, they, they eat, and there's this joy, there's this gladness, there's this simplicity uh, about who they are. And I, and I think it's just a great verse that defines in some ways what that's supposed to look like in the way that God works it through in our lives. Then in verse 47, says they were praising God and they were having favor with all the people. I like that. It's one of those little nuggets to just say it there. I'll say it in the way that maybe just lands in my own heart. They, they, they were absolutely worshiping God. They were loving God and they were loving people. They were having favor with the people, which is that basic thing that Jesus said, right? The two great commandments, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's what we are. And that's what's happening. I mean, that way that God defined us to live, it, it's happening in, in, in the body of Christ that they now have this space where they're worshiping God, where they're loving God, they're praising God, and there's a favor. There's a favor that's, that's moving out into people, that's connecting, and, and that's just one of those moments that that's how we've been made. I mean, that's what we've been made for, and it's one of those places that just works in my small brain just every now and then to pause and just make sure that I don't lose sight of that. In all that God is doing, in all that He has for us, it is this, to love God and love people. That's how, how it flows. What sin and what Satan and what the world is doing is the exact opposite. Our world is pressing right now, and sin is working, and where that works in your life, it'll move you away from worshiping and loving and praising God. It'll move you away from loving Him, and it'll separate you from people. You will be isolated. You will be kind of cut off because that's what Satan's doing. That's what sin is trying to do in our lives. And so sometimes it's just really, really helpful for me to go, yeah, that's, we, this is the beauty of what God has made us to be that we're seeking to walk into that. That's what is supposed to be happening into a people that actually love God and, and love people in the midst of it, which is an absolutely beautiful and gorgeous thing that he's seeking to do. So the last of the seven that I want to just list from the chat, this little progress report is found at the end of verse 47, where it just simply says, and the Lord added to the church daily those who are being saved, which is such a great verse. It's just God is doing this. Like, God is the one who's doing this, and it's one of those great things that we understand about salvation, that God is the one who's drawing, and, and, and we always hope in that. We proclaim the gospel. We are a gospel-testifying people. We're begging people, hey, get saved, but God is doing this incredible work where He is adding and it started then. Now, God knows. Uh, God knows if, if, it's, if it's been one of those things. I don't want to make it sound like um, it, it, it was always that way. But sometimes I, do, I wonder. I wonder if from that moment, from day one, if every day God was bringing people to himself, if, if every day that he was doing that. Again, God knows. He, he's the God who sees all of time. But I think about it today. I think he's still doing it. I think we are part of something that began at Pentecost and it's taking place today and somewhere today, God was adding to the church people who would be saved. I don't know if that excites you. I don't know what that does in you. I should tell you, it kind of excites me. I just, sometimes I find myself wondering, it's like, I wonder where it happened. I, mean, I wonder if there's some people in Roswell today that became a part of our family or maybe here in New Mexico or maybe across the United States or maybe over in North Korea or Vietnam or, you know, Africa. I mean, today God is adding to the church daily those who are being saved because that is what he's doing. I mean, that's who we are, and I love that. I love that we're gonna, you know, get to the end of this and we're gonna stand before him, and that's what he's been doing. But what an incredibly joyous thought. I mean, again, I don't know if it is for you. It is for me. It's just like, I love being a part of this. I love being a part of the church and recognize, God, that's what you're doing. I mean, it's bigger than politics. I mean, politics is going to go away, and nations are going to crumble, and all the things that people thought were so important, they're going to go, but this will not. The things that are going to last are that today people got saved. Today. Today people are being added to the church daily, and that's what we are. So again, I love all of that. I love all that it is, but I want to just kind of back up and just have you pan over this small section where is this kind of first progress of the, of the church. And I want to tell you again, hey, these are the basics. 
These are, this, is, this is stage, the, the beginning stages of the church, this, the work that started on that first day that's been continuing from that day to this day, and there is a sense of just saying, yeah, that's what we are. That's what we do. That's what we ought to do, where we look at them and say, hey, we're a gospel people. We are a people about the gospel that are telling people, be saved. We are a people that are abiding in God, doing so through the word. We're doing so in fellowship. We're doing so in communion. We're doing so in prayer. We are abiding. We're a people that long for God's presence and yet long for community that flows out of that, that moves into a daily space of just living our lives, you know, in a beautiful simplicity of being God's people. But that flows us to love God, love people, and into this incredible work that is the church, God is adding just every day people into that, and it's an incredible space. That's what we are. Now, again, I say all of that, and I'm hoping for some of you, you're like, well, yeah, that's church. I mean, that's that, I mean you're, you're just covering stuff. Isn't that what it's always supposed to be? Oh, yes, it is, and, and if it seems like a no-brainer to you, praise God. May it continue to not be. May you say, of course, that's what we are. That's what we expect. That's what we're looking for. But where we find ourselves off, where we find ourselves missing it, then we need to get back to it. And to that, I just want to, again, take you back to the list because in so many ways, it was those first verses that expressed what we do in the midst of that, that we are meant to be a people who are proclaiming the gospel, that we are saying with all the words we can, hey, be saved, be saved. Like, that's our message. That's what we are. That's what the church is. That's what we want. There's no other way to become a part of the church except to get saved. It is not enough just to come. You need to get saved. You need to be saved. That's what we do. And once we're saved, we abide. We abide in Christ. We do so through the Word of God. We do so through the people of God. We do so through communion. We do so through prayer. But in these things, we are connecting continually to Him and those things are what we're supposed to do. And when we do those things, well, the rest of them become the fruit of that. I mean, we can't create, you know, the power of God or create a space where there's a sense of the fear of God. But if we are walking in God's presence, it'll be there. It'll be there in a sense where we have this godly community that's flowing out of our koinonia, where we have this space where that's taking place, where there's this beautiful simplicity of loving, of walking, and then loving God, loving people, and God moving in the midst of that, all of those become the outflow of, of, of a life being done well. So as we just process this, again, I just want to talk to you personally and say, this is what he's asking for you. This, there, there's no way for you to be doing well outside of it. There's no way. And if you've talked yourself into it, saying, well, you know, um, you know, I don't really do the gospel thing. I don't tell people about Jesus. I just kind of tell people, you know, God bless you. <laughs> Hope everything goes well for you. And that's, that's the extent. Of, you know, I don't really ever say, like, actually, you know, there is a heaven, there is a hell, and you don't get to go to heaven without Jesus. I mean, I mean somewhere in the midst of it, you always, when people are like, so you go to church, what is it you actually believe? I mean, we are gospel people. If that's missing in your life, if, if you have become one that has lost sight of that, then it's a good space to step back to it and say, God, I want to be. I want to be that. If that's not you, if you haven't been saved, then that's where you need to begin. But if you are that, then there is this space that Acts 2.42 becomes like one of those foundational, like that's what I do. That's what I do. You know, I, I, can't, I can't not do that. There's no way for me to do well outside of those things. And I just want to tell you that's true. And so, again, for some of you, I've just come to encourage you in what you're already doing, to breathe life into it, and just to say, yes, well done, keep doing that. And, and I know, I know that for some of you that's true, that you're like, I, I, I do those things. Maybe I don't know always perfectly, but I have figured out that I'm never going to do well with God without doing it. I mean, every time I kind of slip away from those things, it's like, man, uh, it, just, it just empties me out. I mean, have you figured that out? I mean, have you figured out how, how little time it takes to, to, to just find yourself depleted spiritually? I mean, it surprises me sometimes. It just does. You know, I mean, it just surprised me that, that sometimes you could just get, you just drift a little bit from that. And it's like, man, I, it took so little time for me to get dry. I mean, it took so little time for me to have nothing. And it's like, okay, I need to get back to that. I need to get back to having those spaces and having those places. 
So again, if that's something you've figured out, well done. Keep doing it. But if you're here tonight and something has convinced you otherwise, some lie has convinced you that either you don't need the Bible or you don't need to pray or communion and focus on Christ isn't important or you don't need God's people and, and you don't, you know, everybody's going to make it to heaven or whatever, the gospel isn't really essential, then there's a brokenness inside you that's, that's got you separated from what a church really is, that there's no way that's good, that that's a, a broken space that would say, hey, see what we are and get back to the basics because you can't be doing well outside of it. And, and some of you are not doing well. And you're like, I don't know why I'm not doing well. I mean, I know I don't read the Bible and I don't pray, but I kind of thought, you know, that I came to church and that would be enough. You know, I kind of thought that, you know, this would somehow, you know, this is one of the four things. But it's only one. Yeah, you need God's people, but you need to be in the Word. You need to be in prayer. And you need to be focused on Christ consistently drawing into that communion that flows from him. Yeah, those, are, those are essential. And they produce a real life from us. So let's close our Bibles, notebooks, whatever it is you have open. And I just want to ask that wherever that is, you just allow God to, to meet you in that, strengthen you in that, <coughs> and draw you to what he has. That, he, that it, again, that he would draw you into the life that he designed us to have so that the first progress report of the church would now stand across you in the progress of your soul, showing you like, okay, this is where we are. This is where we are and what we're supposed to be even now. So let's ask him for that. Let's ask him for that and then we'll close in worship. Father, we thank you for tonight. I thank you for this beautiful beginning, this progress report of this thing that we call church, you call church. I love it. I love what you are. I love what you've made us to be. God, where we're not doing this, would you help us? Would you make us a gospel people that we'd never lose sight of it? We'd never miss the message that it's the only way to be right. You can't have eternal life. You're not going to heaven without Jesus. That we'd just be telling people you need to be saved from this perverse generation. God, anybody here tonight that's in that space, would you rescue? Would you draw? Then, God, thank you for just the steadfastness that you created us to have of a people that continue in your word, they continue in fellowship, they continue in communion, they continue in prayer. God, where that's lacking in any one of our lives, would you correct in a gentle but loving way, just show us that's why you're dry. That's why it's not going well. You, you've lost the basics. Get back to the basics. And then, Lord, I long to see what you would do. I long that this would be a people, a gathering that your presence would be known at. There would be a sense of just your holiness, your goodness in our midst at the same time. Such a godly community that just very practically loves on each other, takes care of each other, watches over each other, lives life in just a simple daily way. Loving you, loving people. God, would you make that who we are? And then, God, I hold to you the last verse of this chapter that you are adding to your church daily, those that are being saved. I believe you're doing that. I believe today you're doing that. That you see it. You see today people who genuinely were born again, became a part of our family, maybe in this room maybe in our town, maybe in our state, maybe in some other places of the world, hopefully many. God, I thank you that that work of the church is what you're doing. You are adding to the church daily those who would be saved. Thank you. I love that. Thank you that that's what we're supposed to be. Thank you that that's the expression of the, of, of the body of Christ here. God, work that through us, work that in us. Where any space we are out of kilter, would you bring us back to the basics? Would you bring us back to the things that are fundamental in our lives? Would you help us to be about that? We ask for that right here, and we ask for it right now in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're able to stand as we end in worship, so.